Hello and welcome to Signals from the Hill. My name's Stephen Walsh. Coming up, we'll be talking to Hannah Berry about her recent stint as Comics Laureate, chatting about the work involved and the various initiatives that have resulted, including a massive survey of the experiences of comics creators in the UK. First up, some exciting news with the imminent arrival of Alone in Space, a new hardback collection of early work from Tilly Walden that will be hitting shops in July this year. This new edition collects together the end of summer, I Love This Part and The City Inside, as well as early sketches, prints, web comics, and short stories from magazines that have never been published together before. You can ask your local book or comic shop to order a copy for you now, or you can pop over to our website, averyhillpublishing.com, and order a copy there. And now, here are some other comics podcasts you may enjoy. Oh, we've had an email asking if we wanted to do an advert for the Avery Hill podcast. Oh, that's nice of them. Does that mean we can't swear? Yeah, pretty much. So, no words like or sh- and definitely no Oh, Gabriel Comics. Yeah, they're nice. Uh, we're the Awesome Comics Pod. You can find us at awesomecomics.podbean.com or on iTunes and as the Awesome Comics Podcast and buy a copy of our Awesome Comics Anthology at www.awesomecomicpod.bigcartel.com Oh, that was very professional, wasn't it? I knew that girl, right? Oh, Jesus. In the monthly radio show on comics, Panel Borders, you can hear Alan Moore, as you see this gradual rehabilitation of Godzilla, Sandy Toxvig, there's something about the cartoon world that, honestly, in these grim times, is rather preferable to flesh and blood sometimes. Chris Riddell, I have a draw in my studio, um, it's the naughty draw. And many more writers and artists talking about their craft. More info at www.panelborders.wordpress.com Need a podcast all about comics topics, reviews, and just general chit chat? Then join David Robertson, Fernando Pons, Mike Sadakat, Giuseppe Lambertino, and me, Tom Stewart, at That Comic Smell. You can find us on SoundCloud, YouTube, and iTunes, and on Twitter and Instagram at That Comic Smell. Pull up a chair and join us. And now, let's talk to Hannah. Hello, Hannah. Thanks for talking to us. Hello, Stephen Walsh. Thanks for talking to me. <laughs> Very formal. Uh, full name, full Thank name. you. I'm bowing as well as we record. <laughs> so, obviously, most recently, your role has been that of the Comics Laureate. It's been uh, a really interesting period, I think. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't cause the pandemic, but that's certainly been a feature. <laughs> been a feature of this, um, this glorious reign. It, it, technically, it's been a couple of years, but it feels like it's been about seven years. I, I think everyone else is having the same weird time shuffle as well, aren't they? Yeah, there are days uh, that feel like hours, and then days that feel like weeks. It's very weird. Yes. Yeah. Very strange. Very, very strange. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to have been laureate. It's a shame this, this is all kicked off at the same time, but I'm very happy to have been laureate. I'm happy to have done some things and some stuff that uh, will be useful, let's hope, to somebody. While I was preparing my notes for this podcast, I remembered that we spoke on a previous podcast I hosted called Process yeah. of Comics seven years ago. No, was it really? We talked. Yeah, remarkable. Oh, we were so young. <laughs> we were so young, carefree. You had that long golden hair. <laughs> <laughs> I've still got it. <laughs> Keep it in a box. Keep it in a box. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
but and I, I actually found uh, I was going to. It makes it sound like I'm sort of uh, meticulously careful preserver of uh, my own personal archive. But I, I found the Google Drive file for the notes for that episode where I prepared. And wow. what was interesting, what leapt out to me was talking to you then. You were working with uh, the Book Trust and the uh, Arvin Foundation. Sort of oh, yeah. working, obviously working as a comics creator, but working beyond just as a comics creator, mm. working more broadly. Fingers and pies. Yeah, exactly. And I think <laughs> that's the sort of thing that does sort of set you up really well when you you do get a role like Comics Laureate, where you're you're used to working beyond the normal sort of boundaries for a creator. Yeah, I mean, it's been very helpful. I'm kind of I've realised that um, I in terms of reaching out to various organizations and groups and funders and whoever, I um, have no shame or embarrassment. And I'm very happy to send emails all over the place saying, hello, will you do this thing with me? I've got this scheme. And um, being laureate has been very helpful because I've actually responded. <laughs> I think my response rate has been a lot higher. <laughs> laureate, you say, tell us more. I, there's a lot of people saying, I did not know that existed. Like, well, yes, yes, it does. It's me. I do have a cape. Oh, I have a cape as well, or a cloak, it's a cloak. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been, I mean, it's been great. And hopefully a lot of the organizations that I've been sort of um, reaching out to have not really worked with comics before. And they, you know, they might be aware of them, might have them on their radar, but they might not be working with comics people or have, or, or just have an in. But I think part of the problem with comics is that we seem from the outside quite insular. And I think people don't really know how to get in. And there's a lot of, the, some of the more visible parts of it will be, you know, people arguing over whether the, the Snyderverse should be a thing. <laughs> um, yeah, stuff that people don't really know or care about and um, I'm not going to talk about that I, I don't know or care about that either but that's uh, it's, it's like it's quite sort of repellent to not not repellent that's a bit strong it's it's a bit baffling I think people don't really I think people feel like they should know every single x-man before they approach anybody working in comics and so it's been nice to reach people and say oh do you want to work in comics do I do a little well not work in comics isn't no work but do you want to do something with comics and um and like there's a lot of enthusiasm there for for comics as a medium and comics creators and working with comics and it's I don't know it's quite satisfying it feels kind of um like it's good for the good for the medium as a whole to 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 make these connections as you say, one of the the sort of nice things about having uh, a comics laureate is it does sort of it helps to sort of change the the perception of, of of comics and the sort of cultural space that they take up in the UK. And I think that's the sort of the biggest issue for the medium, isn't it? The fact that it's seen, as you say, as this thing that's either it's either juvenilia or it's this sort of closed shop where you have yeah. to have. The password. All the knowledge, all the know the password is all the secret identities of every member of the Justice League ever. And it, it, it is a shame, isn't it? I mean, I, I was in Belgium about 18 months ago and I went to this, this place called the Atomium, which is this big sort of model of an atom that you can walk through. It's great. Um, but like nice. just in the, in the lobby, they had a thing. It was like it was the anniversary of the uh, European Human Rights Convention and hmm. they'd uh, sort of done an exploration and celebration of it using popular Belgian comics characters. And you're like... Oh, brilliant. Yeah. And it's like, I was, I was walking around thinking, you just don't see the Beano characters being used to no. advocate human rights. But you could and you should. But and you could, yeah. You absolutely could. There's no yeah. reason why not. And I think the, 
the I, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't really tell if it's snobbery or just sort of well, ignorance sounds a bit strong, but you know, there's just that people are not aware or or what it is that's really that's really keeping people away from comics. I think a lot of it is just the the feeling that it's not for them. I mean, that's something that we, you know, as a, as a group need to maybe work towards. Like, you know, I, I was suggesting that we um, aggressively buy every member of our family, like obnoxiously buy every member of our family for Christmas uh, a comic, just to just to force them to read comics. And then hopefully the word will spread and great Auntie Doris will share it with her friends. <laughs> And, you know, her, her neighbours down the street, when they break their foot, they'll get a nice graphic medicine comic. And, you know, they, they'll, they'll maybe word or spread. Maybe I'm just being, a little, do you know, what? I don't get out much. I'm, maybe I'm just being a little bit of a, a little bit of an indoor dreamer at the moment. <laughs> like when, when uh, I was working at Gosh, we were always very aware in the shop. And I think, obviously, that's a very particular space and and the way that comics are presented in there is is something that really sort of I, I find enjoyable but wouldn't necessarily work for everyone but like we were always very clear that as much as anything else we were advocates like Andrew is always very sort of firm on the idea of like it can't just be about selling it has to be about advocacy as well and the idea is as wonderful as that is for the, the medium that's good for a shop as well because the more yeah socially broadly acceptable comics are as you say like you know with gosh i would challenge anyone to go in there and ask for a recommendation and not find something intriguing or interesting in there because it is you know uh, it's the sort of space where every kind of comic is contained when you walk in it feels accessible it feels like it is for everybody it's sort of a big open space and there's so much going on and there's there's you can, you can approach the the counter and you can ask and people are friendly and yeah it feels like it it feels like it's for everyone it doesn't feel like a little closed off our thought was always it you know you can build a sort of virtuous circle where the more good things that you sell about different topics then the more commercially viable those topics become to publishers yes so absolutely that and, and the, which then the, increases the range which then increases the market which then increases the range so you can you build that and, and certainly i would say the attitude towards comics in the uk is healthier than it was 10 years ago hmm. yeah, oh, sure, yeah. Where it was 20 years ago so hopefully you know while we're not quite there yet we're certainly on on the right path and i think things like having Things like a, a you know a, a comics laureate, a, a sort of point person to advocate for the form in all different areas, is a key part of that. Yeah, it sort of feels like a you know way for people who are outside of that. You know, Google, how do I get into? Well, how do I find a comics person to do X? I mean, I've had lots and lots of emails from from complete strangers who want to use comics for their for their their projects or their you know they, they want to they want to use comics, they want to get into comics, but they don't know how to use them in their in their schools or organizations or whatever I feel, yeah i feel like having like a central point like that that's accessible I, I keep talking about the poetry society which i don't really fully understand because i'm not a member of it but what i think it is i'm going to tell you what i think it is <laughs> i think it's like a, a central body that um anybody who wants to use poetry can engage with to find out how to use poetry and i think we sort of need that in comics some kind of a a, a lightning rod kind of to, to sort of funnel attention towards everyone creators or supporters or people who are interested can go to this point meet yeah. and walk away together ready to to create new things yeah and fight crime
<laughs> I mean, I say all these people have been um, emailing me. I have, they have been, and I've, I've, I've tried to reply, but I'm really aware that I've not replied to a lot of people because I just don't have the time. And I feel really bad about that. That's one of my, my major guilt points. So if anybody is listening to this who is owed an email, I, um, I'm very sorry about that. I will definitely email you imminently. I know it's been 12 months, but I will, I will get around to it. I think this is where, uh, as you say, uh, it, it's important to sort of build places and spaces and, and sort of connect places and spaces to create a, a larger network because yeah. in practical terms. So you can, create, you can connect places and, and spaces with faces. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because, it, it, you know, uh, it's just going to be too much for one person, even someone as uniquely gifted as Hannah Berry. No, oh, shut. Sure. I mean, like to, to wrangle. <laughs> can you can you take care of every comics inquiry in the UK and some international? No, definitely I, not. But like, yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it shows that you know once the comics laureate role is created and you are presented as the go-to person, and you get that sort of response, it does show that there is a demand for some sort of system that does mm, process yeah. those things. So that could be something to be explored in the future possibly yeah i think so yeah absolutely i've sort of used a lot of the role to try and advocate for comics creators but i think there's there's a lot to be said for finding ways to um to build bridges between comics and you know the rest of the arts world because i think we're still there's, there's a lot of work to be done still it's a future project working on it <laughs> <laughs> obviously the major legacy piece of your tenure as laureate would be the survey you conducted of comics creators. Yeah, it needs a fanfare, doesn't it? Some kind of like a, like a little jingle to play before survey. I haven't even or got could, a could, you, could you record that with like an echo? Could you put an echo on that when you say it? The survey. <laughs> yes, perfect. <laughs> In a world very much like this world, called the survey. Data roam the earth. <laughs> Was that something that you went into the role, sort of, uh, you know, was going to be part of your platform, or was it something that sort of developed as you took on the role? Do you know, what? I can't remember when I no. when I. I'm not. It wasn't like sure, your childhood I, dream to one day. <laughs> I just print. wanted to have data on everyone I knew. That's all I wanted <laughs> as a child. <laughs> I tried to work for Cambridge Analytica. They said no, we don't need comics. I said, well, second best thing. <laughs> Cambridge Analytica said I was a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know, we think you might be crossing mm, a line there, and I'm sorry. Yeah, too far, too far for them. <laughs> um, yeah, to anybody listening, I have obviously sold on all of your data, of course, this went without saying. Um, I, I think it's sort of, because I came into the post with a lot of ideas of things that I wanted to do to try and, well, so the, it's quite nice because the, the laureate post, you, they said we can kind of make it whatever we want it to be. And so I wanted to try and focus on, initially my plan was to focus on um, using comics uh, as, a, as a literacy tool for people who are learning English as an additional language and for offenders because I know that the literacy rates are really like shockingly low in, in prison especially. So the first year of the the laureate post I was kind of I wasn't exactly stuck inside but I was because I had a very small baby so I didn't I couldn't really go and do huge amounts of things so I, I thought well I'll focus on the things which are achievable indoors <laughs> lots and lots of emailing that's what I'll focus on and, um, and then unfortunately the, the pandemic came along and <laughs> that's all I've been able to focus on as well is just the just the emailing so very much a desktop laureate I think um, 
I, I think I was sort of dabbling with various schemes and that the, the, the data, it just, it just became apparent that talking to different, you know, arts organizations and, and, you know, people outside of comics, but in, in literature and in arts and in things and stuff that there's, there is a lot of money out there. There is so much arts funding. It's unreal, but I, it's just not reaching any of us in comics. And I thought if I could find, if I could get like a really good picture of how bad it was, maybe that would make the case for um, money to come our way. <laughs> and so hopefully that is the case. I've, I've um, managed to create this really depressing image for everybody here now. We can all see how bad things are in comics. Um, a few people are doing really well though. I mean, well done to them. My hat is off to those guys. But yeah, there's this, like now we've, now we've really nailed down the need I'm hoping that we can use that to sort of address some of the areas of concern. And there was, um, what was quite nice was that the audience agency who who actually did the report itself, um, they sort of analysed all the data and drew up this report. They were able to read, to, to um, pick out from people's comments, these four key areas of concern. So there was money, obviously there was money, but there was also lack of audience and there was lack of um, access to the, you know, quote unquote industry and there was lack of professionalism. So there's sort of four different prongs of attack, I suppose, four different things to kind of um, try and tackle, which is, I think, I mean, yeah, they all kind of, they all, they all do lead into each other. I think they're very connected, but it's been quite nice because I know there have been some, some people have started to use the, the, the data already. I know that Self Made Hero, their, their uh, graphic anthology program, they've just started they're just they're, they're I think it's at the moment it's still open I'm not sure if it'll still be open by the time this podcast goes out but it's uh it's a plan to to um address the lack of published BAME creators in in the comics world because they and they could tell from the, the from the data they're able to I was able to go back to the audience agency and say can you tell us how many BAME authors are actually or creators are actually published and is it in line with the number of uh, like comics creators generally and they said no less likely to be published so they they were able to use that data and play and um, make a, a funding application from the arts council and and get this project off the ground and it's it's so I mean it's really uh, it makes me so happy to see it used in that way to see to see it help to get money into comics and there's I mean if anybody's listening to this and has a, a project they're trying to get off the ground if there's not the answer in the in the report itself that you need then get in touch and I will I will prioritize you because it's you know these things are important but um yeah hopefully the, there's uh, there's some way of interrogating the data and finding answers that you need to sort of justify a need because there's, there's many needs in comics that need addressing and um hopefully the survey will help with that maybe someone suggested doing this at this survey every year to make it useful i, I just the, the thought of it made me want to die but maybe every five years or so so we can get, a, get an image of how bad forever, it is over man. time i'm sorry forever. what if you just did this forever like oh my god that was the unexpected all, all she wanted to do was collect data and now all she does is collect data and say, oh no i've been given my greatest dream but it's become a nightmare the nice thing there with the, the self-made hero scheme is that it, it's, you know, obviously that's exactly what motivated you in the first place. You know, the yeah. arts funding not being funneled towards comics. So you've created this framework to present this information that self-made hero can then present yeah. to the Arts Council and move that money in the way that you wanted. And it shows, exactly. it, that, yeah. like, you know, that's the power of information data. in the world isn't it like if you have hard numbers and particularly 
anything like the Arts Council, once you present them numbers and you say mm. the, the representation is off here, you can see that, you can look at the, the percentage of BME people involved in this medium against you know the ones who want to be and it's not yeah. right and we can fix it by making more money available to pay people to make comics yeah exactly exactly and I, I mean we can we sort of we know there's these problems anecdotally but to have the data to back it up is um i mean hopefully hopefully very very useful hopefully i'm using i'm trying to do another project at the moment trying to get another thing off the ground which i'm using i'm using data from my own survey to try and back up the need for it which will hopefully, I don't know if I should talk about it or not, because it's sort of, it's still in the, like the pre-funding stage where I'm emailing loads of people saying, hello, will you fund my project, please? <laughs> um, and also I'm, I'm Comics Laureate 19 to 21. I will not say I'm no longer actually an active laureate. I'll just say, <laughs> just I'll, I'll let it sound like I'm running until the end of the year. They don't have to know. <laughs> Ideally, the role would be like American president, where he, even when you're no longer the president, you're still called the president, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. And then nobody can look at my tax returns. <laughs> <laughs> you can. It's very depressing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm happy to release those if anybody there, wants. There are appendix <laughs> fees in the survey, so it's all there. <laughs> what would you say was the most surprising thing or the thing that stood out the most to you in the, in the survey? Well, OK, so there's two things. I think in the literal responses of the survey, which, you know, the I think the audience agency was saying normally when people fill these things out, they get about 50% of them were you know, filled in. This time, every single person filled in every single box, pretty much. Right. And um, and they just the the amount of enthusiasm for the whole project and for the for comics, for the medium itself, that really, it really blew me away because it's there's so much love and so much frustration for all of this stuff that we do. I don't know, it made it, made it all feel kind of worthwhile in a way as well that, it, that, that you know, there is a such a strong sense of community and such a strong feeling of belonging and it's a shame that it's not supporting enough people but um i think the will to change is it feels like it's there it feels like it feels like things can be better i think also the sort of response rate is a tribute to your own organizational skills and the, and the people you manage to sort of rally around you because oh, i hassled so many people to get involved <laughs> <on> this. <laughs> well i just as someone sort of in the comics industry in terms of working for publishers you know there was that period where you couldn't turn for someone saying that, but this is good have you filled out the survey yet have you done the, why have you done the survey do the survey and like initially when i sort of read about it i sort of thought oh this isn't for me it's for comics creators but then i was like oh but while i'm not a comics creator i'm involved in the industry uh yeah. and i thought you know obviously the more data uh the better so i did end up uh filling out and it was really interesting hey. as well just to sort of uh see what you were sort of trying to collect information on and and, and i could tell even just sort of answering the survey that the results were going to be valuable and, and interesting as it turned out they were yeah there was a really hot i mean initially it was quite a long survey but initially that we had so many questions that we wanted to include uh we being me and sarah kenny and charlotte bailey who were my um my question meisters who helped me actually decide what we put into this thing we there's so much that we wanted to know it was so much we wanted to find out about everybody but in the end we had to we really had to be ruthless and whittle it down there's some things that we just we desperately wanted to ask, but just they had to they had to be cut out because it, they were 
there was a phrase that was it was it was uh, Vumi, which stood for vital, useful, and merely interesting. And there's so much stuff that we wanted to find out that was just interesting, merely interesting. Right. So we asked people to to define whether they saw themselves as professionals or as newcomers, or as uh, people who are doing it just casually, doing comics just casually. And of the people who consider themselves to be professionals, who are doing this as an actual professional job, something like one in ten of people were doing it in the, only in their spare time. There was a shockingly high number of people who counted who, who saw themselves as professional comics creators, but were only able uh, only able to do it in their spare time because presumably the the money to actually make these things as their full main source of income was not was not enough their full their full main employment was just not enough i think it's like 87 percent of comics creators have um a source of income outside of comics right. or have a main that source of income outside of comics it's yeah it's like no one there's so few people that are just making comics it was it's shocking i um, think that sort of speaks to what we talked about in terms of the sort of the cultural attitude as well you know when you you'll get uh, ex, you know, exposure gigs for one of a better mm, word. Yeah. You know, like the whole thing where sort of Benetton will email uh, any sort of visual creator and sort of go, would you like to make a musical track, an animation, a drawing for us? Yeah. Uh, we haven't got yeah, any yeah. money, but we'll be sure to... But exposure. Somewhere. And you're like, it's just exposing me to someone who works for free, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah. so that, you know, other people can come along and not pay me. Yeah, we, we sort of we discussed this because there was some um, had some sort of follow up Zoom conversations with uh, that were sort of free for all to join um, to talk about some of these subjects in there. And there, were, there was a lot of discussion about whether people should work for free. And obviously they shouldn't work for free, but you can't really you can't really blame people because some people, you know, some some sort of newcomer students, people who are not really uh aware of like the value of their of their work might think that this is OK. And also because we live in a kind of a we live in a culture and a society that, that really devalues art and creation. And so that's sort of, it's not, it's not their fault if they're following this through, if they, if they think this is what's necessary, what's needed of them. I can't really blame them. Something that is that has come from this that I'm quite excited about from the whole survey is that there's been, um, so following on from it all, I, I did lots of sending around of emails, as I do, to say, uh, this, is the, this is the report, these are our findings, this is a lovely write-up written by a lovely Katrina Chapman. Is there anything that you can use, you know, that will be useful to you? And um, uh, I sent this to the Society of Authors, who I've been a member of for, oh, many, many years. They're really good, but I'd always just assume they were not really that interested in comics, because, you know, what, that's just what I assume. And um, they were so enthusiastic. They really, they they were really keen to to not only to be involved, more involved with this, but to try and showcase to try and sort of platform the idea of advocating for comics. So since then, they've formed the um, Comics Creators Network. Which I'm on the uh, the steering committee. Very nice. And <laughs> yeah, to try and sort of advocate for for the rights of comics creators to make sure that people are not doing these things for free and that we we do protect our IP and that there there's not this like the, the level of exploitation that we kind of we're used to in comics that's sort of endemic in comics and um there's another group called the uh, association of comics creators which um this was sort of fun founded around the start of last year I think it was um which is more of like a, a grassroots thing because the society of Waters is a writer's union but the AOCC is, is more of like a, a, a grassroots organization for crowdsourcing, uh, crowdsourcing problems, basically. And we've, we've sort of set up a kind of a, um, a relationship with them so that 
if there are any issues that are being flagged up by newer creators where they're being exploited by, say, Benetton, getting in touch saying, can you do this for free, <laughs> or publishers who are deliberately exploiting newer creators, then um, they, uh, they're able to, um, to swoop in and, and offer legal advice or to try and put a stop to it, which is it's great because it gives that kind of industry protection to people who are you know, newcomers, which is quite, I, d- I don't know if you really, it's quite hard to come by. But also, we've not really had that in comics before. So, I mean, I'm hoping that that will be, that will sort of put a, put an end to some of the um, the shittier practices, I think, that happen in comics. Well, any sort of collective action is going to be valuable. I mean, even, like, I was talking to someone the other day about, um, they, they when they're at university, they basically formed, like, a, um, a comics production society. Hmm. And one of the things they did was they would sort of go to NCM uh, and collect information on creators and try and get them to do talks at the university and whatnot. But I was saying, oh, wow. like, if, if you were uh, an aspiring comics creator and you went to MCM for the first time by yourself, it would be overwhelming. It would be too much. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'd be, be sat in the corner crying. <laughs> I wouldn't want to get involved <laughs> well, with that. <laughs> if you go, even if it's a group of like three or five of you, immediately you're not on your own. So you do yeah. have a bit more confidence to approach people, a bit more confidence to talk about your 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 work and your efforts and obviously any sort of larger thing like I, I i saw the announcement of the the steering group um with the society of authors and you know it's yourself uh woodrow phoenix is on it i believe um, yeah yeah family your, member your uh brother dan berry my my husband's brother dan berry <laughs> <laughs> like it's it, and it's a thing where you know uh i know woodrow personally and and obviously know know you and you are both very strong advocates for comics and comics creators but you know uh, uh, I've never actually met Dan I would have bought his comics in a gosh via email I guess. but obviously you know um, for people who haven't listened to make it and tell everyone listen to make it and tell everyone because it's a tremendous uh, podcast no don't he's got a big enough ego already he'll be fine <laughs> Like you know, the the just looking at that panel, I was like, oh yes, these are people that you would trust to steer. Yeah, I, mean, I hope so. Yeah, we've got um, and it's a really good panel. We've got um, uh, Alice Nuttall as well. We've got uh, Helen Cara, and we've got uh, Nyla Ahmed has just joined, and uh, David Bishop as well. So we kind of we we, we sort of cover all different areas of of comics, I think quite neatly yeah, that wasn't intentional it's just we, they, they put out the call and these are the people who replied brilliant and um yeah we've, we've covered a lot of bases there because you know essentially one of the things that that you know comes out of the survey in the, the broadest possible sense is how valuable it would be to have comics creators unionize essentially yeah but yeah really, for sure there's you know that's been a, a story you know internationally as long as comics have been created there's always been a space and a need really for comics creators to have better collective uh protection and it's i i, I did wonder i wanted to ask you you know is it because do you think where it's uh, so much sort of freelance work and independence of work and thought that it's hard to sort of you know gather people together under one idea or umbrella yeah, i mean yeah i mean even in even in comics even though we we're quite sort of united in what we do that we're very disparate groups yeah, yeah. um in the ways that we work and what we actually do and i'll you know i hold my hands up i think the um 
I, I hope it wasn't the case with the survey itself, but with the follow-up discussions, I think there were there were far fewer people from the sort of the more um, like work by higher side of comics than I sort of anticipated. So yeah, and that, which is a shame actually, because I think that's probably the area that where you could where they could use the most protections. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think it's sort of, yeah. There's there's we've got a lot in common, but there's a lot that is. There's a lot that is very different in the ways it works, but the, the, you know we still have the same rights as creators. So hopefully we're, we're all coming at it from the same position. There's not much, you know, we all we all deserve to to own our IP and be paid for our, for our work and not be uh, treated like shite. Um, <laughs> generally speaking, I always say <laughs> comics is so sort of broad as a medium. You have instances like Steve Dillon and Glyn Dillon, who are brothers and comics creators. Obviously, Steve Dillon, probably best known for Preacher, and Glyn Dillon, probably best known for The Now of Brown. And if you looked at those, their work side by side, you wouldn't imagine that they're coming from, you know, uh, it's the sort of nature versus nurture thing. <laughs> I did not know they were brothers until just now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they're both making comics and obviously shared studio space and, and you know, collaborate oh, on But Preacher and the, the Now of Brown are about as different as you're going to get. And even they're, they're pretty far on the yeah, comics pretty scale. far apart. Even within families, you comics, yeah. the, the spectrum of comics can be explored. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like we've um we've got quite a even though there's not a lot of support in the UK, I feel like we're, we're quite lucky in a way that we've got so much. It does feel like a big frontier that we can all explore and uh, do exactly what we want to do because no one's paying us so we might as well do whatever we want to do ourselves <laughs> and I think that's that's really that's really determined the shape of um of the scene in a lot of ways the the fact that there is so much freedom and there is so much like personal exploration and, and you don't we're not we don't really have a, a sort of a, a ready prescribed audience that we're kind of aiming towards and so we're just doing what we want to do I feel I, I feel like that's that's uh, one of the, the main I don't know, ingredients of, of the scene. I think so. I mean, as you know, when I worked at Gosh, I used to buy in the, the small press comics. You know, you just will not see a broader selection of styles, presentation, themes, uh, fiction, non-fiction, poetry, comics, mm. all sorts of things. Some very sort of you know, uh, made very basically some made um, with like r remarkable sort of techniques, but still sort of very personal pieces that have been put together by an individual. Mm. And as you say, because it's not necessarily a guaranteed money spinner is the sort of thing we go, well, I might as well just do exactly what I want to do. That was a, that was one of the arguments that kept popping up is, you know, should we be paid? Because aren't we doing this for love? And would it undermine the fact that we're doing it for love if we are paid? And um, it was it was an interesting it was an interesting conversation that was kind of going backwards and forwards. I, th I, think, I mean, personally, I think we should all have universal basic incomes. So yes, but you know that's that's <laughs> a, that's a bigger topic. <laughs> that's I, one for I another day. <laughs> in terms of getting paid, I mean, you know, as as I say, you have small press things where it's essentially self-funded. So if anything, uh, you are paying the cost of making the comic you want to make. Like that's still. Uh, valuable and good to you and I think it is you very much have to cut your cloth in terms of the projects don't you like if, if your friend are, or, or even like you know some of my sort of favorite comics that came in with Swordfest were the results of like 
collaborations amongst cooperatives where you would get a group of like like-minded people who have met at a show or a shop or online mm. and just got together and decided they were going to make a comic on this theme or yeah this and suddenly it's still self-funded but it's self-funded between you know six to ten people rather than one person so suddenly you can do a bit nicer in terms of the printing and production yeah um, get a nice spot cover like, spot varnish on the cover yeah at least like yeah, nice. little, little things but like you're still not getting paid to do the work and you know you could make the argument that it's still you're working for exposure but you're working for yourself for exposure rather than giving yeah. your work to someone else to make a, a bundle of money on and you see nothing at the end of it yeah i think that's been one of the hardest things to the way that i think about my own work is that not necessarily in terms of something that will bring in uh, you know the, the work that you do like if you're freelancing you do the work you get paid for it is to think of it as a, as an expensive business card in that you might not get paid for this now but you'll be paid in other ways further down the line it's sort right. of, you know this will bring you more attention that will bring you other work that will you know ex give you um some kind of payback in this way it's sort of it it's i guess that's how how it is having a creative career generally you know that there's not there's never going to be that or there might not be that that immediate payback it might not be immediately financially worthwhile but um it might do in the end this is what this is what i tell myself to cheer myself up <laughs> when my royalty statements come in <laughs> but you do you think of the future i think as you say across many different disciplines that's the case isn't it you build a body of work yeah hopefully you know it's not you can't just be you can't rely on the fact that one of these things is going to become a smash you know could do could become a smash yeah. and sell through the roof yeah. and that'd be great. but you, there is also you know value and, and uh worth in having a backlist that can sort of tick over and so it's it's you know obviously it's very difficult there's no magic formula is there? otherwise you know everyone yeah. would do it but you know um as you say there's value in developing as nice there's a lot of sort of invisible value to creating things isn't it it's not always going to necessarily be immediate and, and financial yeah i think invisible value is a very good way of explaining a lot of comics yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> hannah thanks so much oh. for talking to us oh thank you for having me it's been it's been a joy best of luck with your post laureate adventures i'm sure you'll thank carry you. on doing wonderful work I will do my best. I might even draw a comic. Who knows? <laughs> Thanks again to Hannah for talking to us. And thank you for listening. See you next month. This show is a Holdfast Network production. Go to holdfastnetwork.com for other programmes you may enjoy.